Suddenly, a knock at the door. Did you think I was dead? It's okay, because I did. You can probably hear it in my voice. I have a box of Rice Krispies in my chest. Um, I've been in a perpetual loop of just pills and Kleenex and expectorant. So this is the first opportunity that I've had to have enough of a voice to be able to record an instant reaction for M. Night Shyamalan's latest feature film, A Knock at the Cabin. I don't know that there's anybody working today who is better at creating an intriguing opening, an intriguing premise than M. Night. I just, he is, he's just too good at it. You know, he can really come up with a hook for a movie. I would bet money that he is a great pitch guy. I think he is the guy that can walk in and go, and here's my pitch. And you're just like, I'm I'm hooked. The question is, though, is whether or not the third act makes the first and second act worth it. You almost always know the first act's going to be worth it. Second act might be a little shaky, but the third act is where it's make it or break it with him, more often than not. I'm going to get to that in this instant reaction. First, absolutely no spoilers up front, just general impressions, recommendations, so forth and so on. There will be a break at some point. And you will know when that break comes. And afterwards, I'll get into some spoilers, light or heavy, whatever the case may be. If you are new to binge movies or to me, uh, welcome. And uh, these instant reactions are a little different than what I normally do. Normally, I'm joined by guests, filmmakers, film fans, film critics, film fanatics. And we rank movies based on a theme to determine which ones are most worthy for preservation for all time, as voted by our listeners. Uh, even beyond the end times, by the way. It's just a little synergy there. And um, yeah, so that's normally what we do. Our next season is around the corner. It'll be coming in March of 2023. Uh, we have the Binge Movies Challenge, which is going on right now. If you want to find out the first 27, 26 films somewhere in that ballpark, for the Binge Movies Challenge, go to letterbox.com slash binge movies. Find it within our list section on the profile. You can also find a list of all the movies that we've covered within our ranking episodes thus far, right around 500. Uh, we've covered many more movies than that, uh, not in our ranking episode. So we've covered, oh my goodness, um, got to be in close. I would think, probably not quite double that, but probably an extra couple hundred movies, I would think. Um, so, um, yeah, follow us there. You can follow us on Twitter at Binge Movies. You can follow us on Instagram at Binge Movies Lives just to keep up to date with the show and uh, all the fun stuff and bizarre stuff that we tweet. And we're, you know, if you want to know what it goes on the day-to-day operations in the last movie store, last video store in the universe, uh, then that's the place to, to go. Uh, am I high on uh, medicine? Yes. Will this be coherent? We'll find out. Um, some of these instant reactions are more coherent than others. I go to the movies 
I go to the theater, I watch a movie, I come back from the theater, I find a microphone as fast as I can, and I spew out my thoughts in real time. So they kind of formulate in real time. There's literally no gap between when I'm done watching the movie and when I record uh, for me. I don't take notes. I'm like, oh, this is what I should say. Maybe I should, but that wouldn't be an instant reaction. That'd be just like a thoughtful review. And I can't really do that as quickly as I would like. You need a couple of days to gestate. So without days of gestation and with, with a chest full of muci, mucus, uh, let's go. First trailer comes out. This guy's back with an interesting premise. Second trailer comes out. I feel like it shows way too much. I advised on Twitter at binge movies. Don't watch any other trailers other than like the teaser because I feel like it showed too much. And if you've seen movies and you have critical thinking skills at all, you're kind of able to piece it together in your mind. At least I was. And I was more or less right. There's a few wrinkles. There always are with him. There's always a few wrinkles you don't expect. And I would say my general impression of it is I would say that this is like B-tier M. Night. Um, And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Um, It's just this is not one of those movies where once, sometimes movies like this, like the really, really good ones, the all-time classics, including some of the ones that he's made, you think it's going a certain way and it kind of is, but man, once we get in that second act, it's like the, it gets kicked up a gear. And what I would say is this movie starts in second and pretty much stays in second gear the entire time through. So it's not an unpleasant experience. It's not a, to me, it was not a lackluster experience. It just never hit that next degree up to where it's like, you know, bam, then the second act hits and you're like, oh my gosh. And you're kind of thrown off a little bit. And then the third act hits and you're like, whoa, it all starts to tie together and like, what a payoff. The movie starts strong, kind of dips a little bit, but really doesn't dip until the third act because there's a moment in which the character just says out loud something at the very least I didn't put together because they didn't really do a good enough job of piecing it together and also the explanation doesn't make sense. It's not even really an explanation, but there is a moment of clarity that happens where it's like, oh, this is what's happening. And how that, th- th- that happens so suddenly and so out of seemingly nowhere with so much clarity. Now, I'll get to it in spoilers because I could maybe make an argument for M. Night. Uh, but it's like this moment of clarity comes and it's like, oh, that's what this was. And I could see a lot of people being like, uh, you know, that's but but to me, it was like I kind of I figured out the general gist of the film. So I wasn't when that reveal happened, I thought the execution of it was bungled, not so much the idea behind it. I know I'm, this is so vague, but it's got to be because it's not in spoilers. So I more, I more or less really enjoyed the movie because I think most of the performances are, are really good. Um, and I would say Batista, Dave Bautista gives a great performance. I think he's very, very good in this. And in that sense, there's a little disappointment that I had because I'm like, he's really good with what you're doing. And if you could just, like if it had just kicked into that next gear, that next bit 
of tension, I think is what I was looking for. A, a bit more of like, ooh, I'm on the edge of my seat. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And and then let him play around in that material. If it if there had been more ambiguity about certain things uh, for a longer period of time, but maybe that would have been frustrating. I don't know. I also think thematically he's doing a couple of things here to where if he was if he did what I said and played around with it, I don't I think he'd be telling a different story. So I think he's tell this. Here's what I would say. Some of his movies start with a really good premise, but by the end of it, you're like, this guy lost the plot. Like, you can tell. Like, he just lost it. And I don't think that's true of this movie at all. I just think it was, if anything, you could say, like, oh, this probably needed, like, one more pass at the script. Like, just some refinement of, like, the script execution of its ideas probably would have, like, honestly put this in, like, A-tier M night category, um, or at least a minus. And now it's like B minus is where I would put it, but it's like a solid B minus. It was, it's really a decent film. I think if this shows up on Peacock and you're somewhere in the world that has access to Peacock, cause this is a universal film. So it might end up there. I think this is like a really like solid Friday night, Thursday night, Saturday night, Peacock watch. Like I, you know, just like, I think it's just a really it's kind of solid thriller. That's how I would put it. I think he's at a little bit of a disservice because he became so known as the guy with the twists that you go, okay, this is what I think the movie's going to be, but I know he's going to do a twist and that's going to recontextualize the entirety of the film. And that like that reveal is what's going to be like very satisfying. And he's done that a few times and he does have reveals and twists and that sort of stuff. But like think about Unbreakable. There's no real twist there. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, but it's because Samuel Jackson is the villain the whole time and he's the bad guy and that's the big twist. But when you think about it, it's not like The Sixth Sense where suddenly Samuel Jackson is revealed and now that changes everything. It doesn't really. It doesn't matter if he's been this terrorist who's been planting bombs, spoilers for that film, and that's the one that upended the train that revealed, right, Bruce Willis as, you know, this, this superhero. Like, that doesn't really, doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't change the, the events of the movie. It doesn't recontextualize them in the way that say, oh, well, Bruce Willis's character has been dead the whole time. I think he made such a strong impression with the sixth sense that it was like everyone has put this expectation on him the rest of the time that every third act has to have like, and now you have to go back and rewatch the entire movie with this knowledge. And I think if you look at his ratio, he's made more movies at this point than not that don't do that. That yes, there are third act reveals, but a lot of his movies are thrillers and they're mysteries. And that's just the convention of, the genre he likes to work in. So if like if if what you need from this movie is there's going to be a massive twist that shakes me to my core and how did I not see it coming? I don't even think he's attempting to do that here. I think he's telling a story. I think he's got some twists and turns along the way. Most of them make sense. And up until the point where, like I said, in the third act where one character just does something that doesn't, make a lot of sense like it, it does but it doesn't then 
I think he's just executing like very well. It's like a, it's like a ground roll double in baseball terms, right? It's not a great home run. It's not grand slam. It's a solid hit. He's on second base, you know. Um, he it's 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 a, just an effective movie for what it is. If you understand that there's not going to be some earth shattering reveal here, like oh my gosh, like you know, it's just like it just I don't know, it just isn't that movie. So. Those are my thoughts. I would recommend it. I'd recommend it for Peacock. I would say if you got some extra cash laying around and you just want to get out and go to the movies, I think it's I think it's worth it. I think it's a worth a theatrical experience just because it's you know it's an adaptation, but it's original property and it's it's entertaining enough. If you're like money and time be damned, um, everything's really tight right now, time and money wise. Then I would say like eh, maybe hold out for Peacock. But I liked it. I would give it on a ranking episodes we do out of ten for these instant reactions. I tend to go out of five, which is the letterbox scale. I give it like a three and a can't do a quarter on letterbox. Three and a half. That feels about right. It's a solid three and a half. Yeah, it's a solid three and a half. If you go in with, I think, right expectations. So when we come back from this sound, I'll get into spoilers. At this point, you're not listening if you don't want the movie to be spoiled. You know, you're, I give it, this was your last chance to turn it around. Because I'm going to spoil the movie. So for those that don't know, Cabin in the Woods is about essentially a, uh, a family of three, two dads and a daughter who are off on vacation in the woods in a cabin. Knock at, knock at, knock at the cabin of the woods. Knock at the cabin. Knock at the cabin. Man, she is. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, out in the middle of the woods, a giant hulking Dave Bautista appears. And Bautista uh, is, is just a very like, kind, gentle soul. And he kind of says things that are progressively menacing with a lot of reluctance. And then three more people appear, uh, one of them being uh, Grint, uh, who's actually pretty good in this, uh, of Harry Potter fame, and, uh, and two actresses. And they're like, hey, we are strangers. We do not know each other. They eventually like break in this house. They're like, we are strangers. We don't know each other. We were brought together because we all started to have visions of the end of the world. And you have to make a really terrible choice. We're here to tell you that you have to choose one of your family to be sacrificed. And then your family will have to sacrifice that person or the world will end. And you have, I don't know if they really have to give a timeline, but basically like there's going to be a series of what they call plagues and they're going to be unleashed. And each time you give me whatever, like I think it's like four plagues. So you basically have four chances to say yes. And each time you say no, more people will die around the world. What is that's all shown in the trailer. What is not shown in the trailer is the twist. Uh, one of the twists. And what the twist is, if you say no, if, if you do not sacrifice a member of your family, Everyone in the world will die 
every man, woman, and child, and it will be horrible. It's not going to be quick. It's going to be a horrific death, long suffering of 7 billion people. And the only people in all of this long suffering of 7 billion who will not be touched is you. You'll be fine, but you'll have to watch and hear everybody else suffer and their screams and their agony. And you'll see like the hand of God, you know, the wrath of God come upon the earth, basically. But you'll be unharmed. And then you'll be cursed to walk the earth, just the three of you, completely isolated, cosmically abandoned by God on a desolate, burning, smoldering trash heap of earth. What a great premise. It's a great Twilight Zone episode. It's a great Black Mirror episode. And of course, it's like, are these people religious nuts and zealots? Or is they, or are they telling the truth? Now, this is where the trailer showed too much because, kind of, because the trailer then shows like Batista, like you don't believe us, turns on the TV and you start to see the end of the world happen. Where the movie plays it, again, spoilers, a little bit different than the trailer. I still, however, wish they wouldn't have shown that. I wish they would have kept it completely ambiguous. Is like the first event is a tsunami. And the event is that the twist is, yes, there's a tsunami, but it actually started four hours before this confrontation. So it theoretically happened before this group of four even got to the cabin. So they could just be using, you know, a real world event to say, see, but there's ambiguity in it because the tsunami had already hit, but that wasn't the tsunami that was predicted. That was the precursor. And then once they say no, then an even bigger tsunami comes and just starts wiping a bunch of people out. And the couple, their argument's going to be like, like that doesn't prove anything. Doesn't prove that you had visions and predicted, even though you said like a wave of water was going to destroy the coast because a wave of water had already hit the coast, right? So it's like coincidence. The second plague is, I'm trying to remember what the second one is because they start to happen very quickly. The second plague is like a COVID flu breakout. And Batista's like, if you don't, whatever, like the second plague is going to be hundreds of thousands of people are going to die with fever and their lungs are going to fill with mucus and they're going to die. Very much COVID. And then they show a report on the news after because the family again is like, no, because the also part of the wrinkle of this is this group of four, we cannot harm you. We can't hurt you. We don't want to hurt you. We don't even really want to be here. We can't hurt you. We can't make the sacrifice for you. If you say yes, we can't, we can't be the one to swing the knife. We can't make the sacrifice. That's to be a true sacrifice on your part. So, um, and each time you say no, one of them dies. The others, so when they say no the first time, one of them gets down their knees and says like, the, you know, a judgment has been released on humanity and the other three kill that person in front of them. And it's, which is pretty twisted. And then there are, they, these people are like, we're just ordinary people. So they're horrified. They're trying to be nice to this family. While the family is like, you guys are psychopaths. Like you, it feels like a home invasion, religious zealot, weird thing. And there's more subtext to it because this is a gay couple 
a homosexual couple, two men, they, at least one of them, but really both of them at altering times, feel as if this is like a hate crime. Like you are religious zealots and you are specifically targeting us because we are gay. And they're like, we didn't even know you were gay. We didn't know who you were. We were just called to be here and we are not here to hurt you. It's just, we're here to tell you that one of you has to make the sacrifice. So when the second plague happens, the guy, one of the guys who's like the biggest doubter of them all and has, has been subjected to a lot of homophobia through flat. There's a lot of flashbacks in the movie, not too many, but we get backstory and he's just been through a lot of homophobia in his life, including his parents who don't accept the fact that he's married to a man or, or that he's gay. And he is like just absolutely not accepting of any of this whatsoever um, because he's not a person of faith. He's not a, he's, he's specifically because of how he feels he's been treated because of his sexuality where his partner, his husband is just kind of more open, less angry. He has suffered a lot of the same things, but has a mother who is accepting of his uh, sexuality and of his partner. Like he's got a close relationship with his mom. And he, it just colors his life differently. His, he's had tough experiences, but because he's had more support, his life has been colored differently. And so he's kind of been able to keep his faith, which they explore, but they don't really completely like dive into. But he is a, he's a person of faith. And um, you know, I thought that was all executed pretty well. Um, and so when the second thing happens, he's like, there have been reports of this virus for months like we knew that this eventually was going to happen and it's you know it's starting to spread now but it's already been spreading this isn't new you're you you're again you're using this to try to convince us that something is happening that isn't happening you know you're you're basically it comes out to you are either homophobic religious zealots and or conspiracy theorists who are like deeply mentally ill like i said and or and so you're tying all these things that already existed together and believe it, it's now the world and you're taking it out on us and to hurt our family. And it's not true. So the, I think the second act is, is good. Almost moves too quickly, but it's, it's really good at beginning to plant seeds of doubt in your mind of like, what if they're wrong? And even the people, the part of this group, the 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 three remaining that eventually two remaining are like what if like what if we are wrong like what if we are crazy what if this is just coincidence what if this is the wrong family like there's a lot of like everybody has a lot on the line regardless right and um so it eventually it eventually comes down to obviously batista is sort of like the last man standing and there's a confrontation or whatever with the family. And he's like, look, I, I've, I've told you I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to harm you. Um, after I do what I have to do, I'm going to ask you one more time, are you prepared to make a sacrifice? They say no again. He's like, okay, then I'm going to go outside. He sits in a rocking chair. And he's like, it basically is like, look, like, I'm not lying to you. I didn't know you. You seem like good people. He's like just a very loving soul. He's like, I coach kids, and I just want my kids to have a chance to live so that maybe one of them could grow up and do something great. And I didn't want these visions. I don't, I'm haunted by them. I'm just trying to save the world. 
and they still will not make the sacrifice, and he slits his own throat. And by this point, hundreds, if not thousands of planes start falling out of the sky, which is another one of the plagues. And then, like, lightning bolts start shooting out of, like, the atmosphere, and, like, major cities are burning. They're burning, like, like hospitals are inst- just becoming overrun. The death toll is spiking. And, like, it's, and as soon as Batista dies, the earth begins to go black. And that's when they realize, and one of the two partners is like, this is real. It really is the end of the world. I saw something in the light that gives it away if you've seen the trailer. And we don't have any other choice. We were chosen. We were chosen to make the sacrifice. I will be the sacrifice. And that's what happens. And then there's like a little bit of like, were we too late? Did we save the world? Was this all crazy? Um, and then, you know, it, there's no real giant twist at the end. The twist is they were all telling the truth. All these people were telling the truth about who they were. And I guess where I said it kind of falls apart is the partner. I can't remember if it was Eric or Andrew. I want to say it was Eric. Uh, Jonathan Groff's character is the, is like, out of nowhere, he's like, they're, you know, they were sent here to meet our family, to introduce themselves to us, because each one of them represented a part of humanity, humanity that we have to save. It's like so rushed. He's like, O'Bannon, Redmond represented, which is uh, Grint, represented malice, because one of the things that throws a, a monkey in the wrench of fly in the ointment, as it were, is that... uh the couple was involved in basically like a, a hate attack uh, or so they believe. Cause it's even presented sort of ambiguously as to was this guy just an asshole? Was he a homophobe? Like what was the deal? But the mysterious person attacked them in a bar one night and they were drunk. And uh, Andrew uh, was uh, aggressive in his response. Basically it was like, you drunk asshole, like stay away, stay fuck away from us. And, uh, Eric, uh, yeah, Groff's character was like, like, don't antagonize these people. Like, just let it go. And he was like, no, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. They say we're talking too loud. It's because we're gay and this sort of stuff. And there's this ambiguity of like, you think it's, he's being targeted at it because of homophobia, but you're not exactly sure. And he isn't either. And so then he's, then he is attacked. And then it's like, ah, he's kind of aggressive. He's got, he's like, he's got a temper, you know, he's got like this, this pain inside that comes out as rage. And it's like, are people responding to his rage or his sexuality or like, it's just some kind of a mess. It's an interesting spin, so to speak. And, uh, turns out that, that one of the four who showed up is likely the guy, but we're not exactly sure who attacked him in the bar. And he's like, this guy pulled you all together, blah, 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 blah. And it's just, so it was like, there's always these little twists that put into doubt of like, maybe this group is crazy. Maybe it's so unhinged that maybe it's wrong. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe they are just like wackadoo conspiracy theorists and, you know, people like who think whatever. But it doesn't end up being true. Ends up that they were all really kind of being honest about who they were. Uh, and then he's like, Redmond represented malice. Of Adrian, I think it was her name, Nurture, uh, Helen, or whatever her name is, one of them's a nurse, healing, and the other 
uh, guidance or wisdom or something like that for Batista. He's like, they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Now, I don't know if you know the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, none of them are <laughs> named guidance and healing and all this sort of stuff. Like, it doesn't really make any sense. So that's like just this guy out of nowhere is like, I saw the light. There was a figure in the light. I have to sacrifice myself. And by the way, I figured out these four, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And by the time he figures it out, they're all dead. And seemingly they themselves never knew that they were the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They're just four random people who some force in the universe was like, you got to be the ones to convince these people to make a sacrifice and release these plagues. It's, it's so it's very like, I could see like rolling your eyes of like, oh my God, they're the literal four horsemen of the apocalypse. Like it, I think it would have been better had they worked it through thematically in a way and not had a character just flat out say it. If that makes any sense. But I was able to get past it because I thought the performances were strong enough. And I kind of already figured out like there's not really going to be a major twist here. The twist is going to be that these people aren't crazy, that if they don't kill one of them, the world's going to end. Um, I th again, I thought the second act was good, but I thought, I thought it could have, it, it, it felt like, this felt like a, a great one. I know it's an adaptation, so I don't know if the book is different or better, but this just kind of felt like, man, maybe with a little bit of more this or that, this could have been a great thriller. And it's, it's just like very solid. So um, they save the world. They drive off together, and that's it. So there's no shocking twist. There's no third act reveal. There's no, you know, whatever. I could see people also being turned off because essentially, like, it heroizes conspiracy theorists, but they're not conspiracy theorists, and they're also not homophobes. They didn't know at all. At least, at least three of them aren't. Maybe uh, Malice is, but... They're, they're literally just like, hey, we don't know. We, we didn't know who you were. We just knew we needed to be at this cabin at this time on this day for this reason. So, I don't know. They go out of their way to not seemingly glorify that kind of stuff. And make those guys inadvertently the hero. So, um, maybe would have worked better as a Twilight Zone episode. I don't know. I don't know. Um probably doesn't completely come together in an entirely satisfying way. But again, for me, B minus 3.5 out uh, of five. So my meds are about to wear off. I feel like poop. Let me know in the comments below what you think about knock at the cabin, not in the woods. It's in the woods, but it's not in the title. And uh, till next time, binge on. Mm -hmm.